Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. Jordan wants to talk about fun today. I think we did a podcast on fun a couple of years ago, so uh, this is fun part two. Mm. Dissecting the concept of fun with with Jordan and yeah. Neil. Isn't this amazing? I can't believe that we're at a stage in human evolution, especially like we entertain us essentially as jobs and you have to read a book about fun. That's, uh, that's what I'm getting at with, with this whole thing. It's just like it's, it's truly amazing that human beings have forgotten that and they make very compelling arguments as to why that's happened. Are you talking about fun as in living in the moment and enjoying yourself and getting various dopamine hits or what sort of fun are you talking about? Well, actually, let me flip that on you for a second, Neil. When, give me some instances in your life where you felt like you were having fun. And it, look, it can be trivial as, you know, like uh, I was asking my girlfriend about it and she was like once when uh, we were like in Tasmania and there was some squelchy moss and you picked me up and made me go on the moss without my shoes and then you went on without my shoes and that was fun. Well, it does seem to be instances of adult play. That's where people still tend to have the most fun. Adult play? Yeah. Yeah. But this is the whole thing. Yes, it's definitely an element of that. Definitely an element of that. But, okay, let me, let me put it this way. How how often do you think that you have those instances? Infrequently. Infrequently. Isn't how often are you supposed to have them? I think you're supposed to have them constantly. All the yeah, I think you're supposed to have them a lot. Think about this. Okay, the people on North Sentinel Island. Remember those guys? Uh huh. Don't you think that a lot of their life would be having fun? Yeah, I reckon yeah. they would have most, so many on their in the tiny little island. In most hunter gatherer societies, I think, assuming the climate is optimal, they'd be having a lot of fun. Mm. If they're not starving to death, they're probably having the time of their lives. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Because this is the whole it, – it's it's truly phenomenal. Then obviously the example that I'm always using, and it's a, it's a yin and yang thing, but like, again, miss, miss love because I'm always just touring with him at the time, right? Like the man is incapable of doing work. It's It's – antithetical to him. It's amazing. Like as soon as he starts doing work, his mind wanders off and then he just starts laughing about something extremely trivial, you know, true childlike mind stuff. But every time he ever talks to me, he's always got some adventure and the adventure is trivial, but it's like very fun in his mind. What's an example? Um, and also, are you en- are you envious of that feeling? Absolutely, I'm envious of that feeling. But don't you think you can really, you can either have one or the other. You can either be that fun person that sees the the beauty and the liveliness and everyday mundane activities, or you can be someone like yourself who is arguably a workaholic or works oh, extremely hard and has achieved some incredible feats and is leaving a legacy yes don't you think they're mutually exclusive they are mutually well okay the example that they were giving is that it's the classics right like 
the geniuses of the world, your, uh, your, your Da Vinci's, your Michelangelo's, were always doing different activities and tasks. They were polymaths, right? They were always moving. First of all, they were moving in and out of doing different. They, the, the other concept that they always have is kind of a, a slow motion work. So they would be working on something for 20 years, but they'd be working on many things for 20 years and then they'd all stop at a certain point and they'd be moving on to something else. But those things combining and their brain working in different ways allowed them to think very differently and cross over and have these connections that other people don't have if they're just thinking about one thing their entire life. But on top of that, they were also known as being, you know, great dinner party guests. They were always uh, having a very vivacious life and doing, you know, quite juvenile things a lot, playing pranks, running around without any shoes on, kind of staying in a, in a childlike mind thing, yeah? Was that their version of a prank in the <laughs> no, no. I got to remember what their pranks were. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't more like a lot less tame than that. Do you feel like when you're with your girlfriend, you can let your walls down and, and definitely bring bring about a lot of that childlike nature? No, I think, again, she kind of forces me to do it every now and then. Like just saying, she you know, forces you well, go on a vacation, something like that. This Okay, this was the breakdown of what fun is, all right? It's supposed to be like you're sharing a moment with someone. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 supposed to be like uh, carefree and novelty. That's that's mm-hmm. the conditions that fun happens in. Fun, fun happens out of boredom. Yeah. Fun happens yeah. out of boredom. Mm. It's your imagination running wild. It's your imagination running wild in a context where it's just like it's- nothing that you're doing in this context matters. Judgment free zone. Enjoying a context of nonsense. Mm. You know, I have a lot of fun with my uh, with my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. But like, where? Uh, well, we have those kind of silly moments all the time. Like we have a few in jokes, uh-huh. and one of them is we. Uh, I can't even remember how this started, but. Uh, they just make like a. I always make like a, a woman moaning noise as though I'm in in porn, mm-hmm. and I always just make it at the weirdest times. It, it, it definitely it, works. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's fun. Ooh, <laughs> it's sorry. a lot of fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Yeah, that works. But it's it's. Well, I suppose it's right there. That's what's happening. It's like a tiny, tiny, tiny microcosm of the events. That is like, okay, so like you're you're comfortable in the situation. Uh, you've kind of decided in your mind that like you're not going to be doing anything in this time. But this is the thing, right? That transfers to memory. I really feel like a lot of the rest of your life is kind of, this is the whole thing. Like when you go back and you look at your life, really the things you go back on are the fun moments of it. And it's kind of an extension of the whole thing about, you know, the, the TikTok generation and everything like that. If they are constantly replacing that moment of boredom with watching something on their phone, you've completely destroyed fun. And it's actually a concept that they're talking about in the book, which is fake fun, which is that's what a lot of social media does. It kind of gives you the illusion of fun, the flavor of fun, but it's not the same. Mm, no, it's not. It becomes an addiction where you need it. It becomes an addiction that you need it. it each day. 
And you're not always getting that feeling of fun when you're scrolling through TikTok. Sometimes you are getting a feeling of angst or frustration. Basically, I think they're just trying to titillate your emotions, whether it is in a positive or negative direction. Yeah. Almost like a toxic relationship would. So you get that addictive feeling that like you Damn. would have with a pokies machine. You're, oh, yeah. what, what's going to happen? It could be fun or it could, could be, be bad. Yeah. disastrous. Yeah. But that yeah. would make the fun even even greater when it does happen. Look, this is a great uh, conversation. We'll get back to it just before we ha- – just after, I should say, we have a word from our sponsors. Oh, of course. We are sponsored by probably the most sustainable and ethical clothing brand in the world – I'm earthy.com.au. I am E A R T H I E.com.au. Earthy is an Australian sustainable clothing brand. Their garments are certified organic cotton and certified by the Fair Wear Foundation to be ethically made. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, I have one of their dark blue t shirts. They're beautiful, very well fitted. I very rarely get shirts that fit as perfectly as this so on top of all their uh, ethical credentials they fit well and they don't use any toxic pesticides fertilizers every part of the production line is ethical and if you use the code neil jordan not only will you get 15 percent off you they will also donate five dollars from each shirt to both the Australian Conservation Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia. Damn. So you want to go to imearthy.com.au, I-M-E-A-R-T-H-I-E.com.au, use the code Neil Jordan and enjoy their comfortable organic cotton, sustainable clothing. And we are also sponsored by Crush Organics. That's Crush with a K. Go to crushorganics.com. If you use the code Neil, you're going to get 40% off. They have a wide range of CBD oil and CBD oil-infused products. I use the platinum oil. Every night, I sleep like a baby. If you have trouble sleeping, I strongly recommend it. If you want to alleviate any anxiety or tension you may have, get yourself some Crush Organic CBD oil. They've also got CBD oil for pets, and they've got gummies, bath bombs. I've got a huge range of products. So crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code Neil and you will get 40% off. Go see Jordan live. He's touring all over the country. He was just in Queensland. Come see myself, Max, Dan, a couple of other brilliant comedians live, comedyuntamed.com. We had uh, four Muslim essays walk out of our show because there was a gay kiss on stage. That's amazing. Yep. What a moment. Now yep. that's fun. Triggering both the left and the right. At the same time. Oh, that's so what a convergence as well. Like extreme that is triggering the left and the right at once, isn't it? Like a minority, but also like an extremist religion as well at the same time. Just being like <laughs> pissing them off. Okay. Pissing them off both. <laughs> because then at another point in that show, I just mentioned Joe Rogan. I said in a joke, I was trying to make a joke about being a house husband and I was saying, oh, it would be great. I would just work out and watch Joe Rogan all day and this girl, at least two women were like, oh, and mm, looked at each go. other. Yeah. And then I should have really gone harder with them and uh, brought them back to earth, but uh, <laughs> I just let it, I let it slide. <laughs> I can't deal with passive-aggressive hecklers. I can deal with an aggressive heckler. Oh, Joe Rogan shit. I'd go hard, but oh. oh. You're like Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's the worst. I I don't know how to do it. Just punch me in the face. Don't be passive-aggressive. 
Isn't that it's the worst? Oh, you're so right. Don't you think that that is the worst audience member to have? Is a woman in her twenties making who she's more attractive noises. than she is? Yeah, and why yeah. sit in the front? It's always the front. Yeah, they both had the haircut that you would expect. So, oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I Hands thought down. that it was Sorry. the hair. I thought it was. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Triggering so. the left and the right. Comedyuntamed.com. We've got a show in Perth on sale. So What a tag. Oh, good on you. Come down. Going uh, to the greatest Rose, state Rose in the Mount country. Hotel, December, early December, but uh, it will sell out. So get along to that. All right, fun. Fun, fun, fun. And you're doing the Rosemount. Nice. Yeah. Um, yes, back to the fun. And can I just say about the sponsors as well? I'm really happy with the sponsors that we're attracting i got to say, it's like a little bit better than Raid Shadow Legends. Uh, not not as good as having one of those hentai games sponsor us. I really want that. That's something I really want to tick off. Well, if, if there are any offering, we will gladly I will oblige. Happily. I feel like you're just not a YouTuber until you're advertising that. What specifically? A hentai games? Are you talking hentai anime games? games? Hint, no, no, no. Anime is the cheap way out. It has to be pornographic. How do they advertise that on YouTube? Is it like the ads you get before Pornhub? <laughs> no, well, it's not that graphic, you know. <laughs> it just says hentai games where all of your fantasies are fulfilled or something. You know, you I know? clicked on one of those games. Hentai games. No, the ones that you get before the Pornhub video where it's mm. like, you will not be able to last 30 seconds on this oh, game. Oh, yeah, of course. And the noises are so vivid. Just, <laughs> oh no! It was just an ad. There was no game, so no. Don't click on that. I probably have a million viruses on my computer now, so don't do that. Yeah, I can't believe you fell for it. That's no, amazing. I, I didn't fall for. It. I just wanted to see if it was actually a game, a real thing. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because like, it's just look. If something's getting advertised on a pornographic site, like you know, it would have to be the buggiest, glitchiest shit. There's no chance yeah. <laughs> you're getting any value out of that. You know, it's not Neil and Jordan's will donate $5 to Sea Shepherd, is it? It's, they're not going to be those companies. There's going to be a lot of, I, I think I even know the one you're talking about. Is it like an alien cock going in a 3D woman? Maybe, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that. Ah, yeah. <sighs> oh, dude. So you know what? There's one thing that I will never, uh, I will never cede to, and I think it's just like nothing. I think one of the greatest comedic fertile grounds, like you know, the um, Sicilian fields of comedy, is masturbation. It's just amazing because there's so many things going on there. A, it's sexual. B, it's it's a very sad act. It's shameful. Like there's so many things. Yeah, it's, it's inherently like, funny, isn't it's it? It's inherently hilarious. And why is it that it's attractive when a girl is masturbating? <laughs> but it's never attractive when a guy is masturbating. You know what? Actually, you're right. When a girl talks about masturbation, it's not funny. Well, there it's are only videos, funny when it's a guy. Well, there's, a, there's a porn category, masturbation, and it's all women masturbating. Oh, of course. We need to equal that. We need some dudes jacking off into work. a sock. All right. You know what? Uh, it's time. Female, teen female listeners, is it is it hot? Is it hot to see a guy no. stroke himself? It's just I, it not, be. is it? No. It's not. No. It's just funny. It's it's it looks pathetic. Well, if there's like it... a fantasy and story associated with it, maybe. But what? Like no, I think just the visual act of it is just like it's it's just a it's it's like 
it's like a fleshy robotic act. And it just kind of looks, that's what it looks like to me, like a pathetic machine that has like a lot of glitches and flaws in it being like, you know, it's just very, it's sad. It's really sad. A fleshy machine trying to get a release, trying to release some steam. Doesn't it feel like that? Because it's like, it's a pipe. That's all that's happening there. It's like it's like you're almost trying to fix something. And the noises are not attractive when guys do it. No, that grunt of like the uh, ape grunt, uh, like oh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, not, not the laugh. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate that sound when a guy busts a nut and we're like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. Very fertile ground for comedy there. It's never. It's never not funny. No, nah, it's, it's could, a great story. I, I simulate the masturbation on stage without even attaching any joke to it, and it's immediately funny. Immediately, immediately funny. Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. I think you can actually do no, no. Actually, I think that it's gross when like when whenever I see a comedian do a female on stage and they start rubbing themselves, it just it looks like one of those. You know those scary Japanese paintings from the 1700s of like demons just doing sexual acts? That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> I've, never, I've never linked that before, but now I'm, I'm like, it's definitely not as funny. Oh, it doesn't work. You know, you know, actually, this is something else that they were talking about. It's, I, I can't believe I never even thought about it before. Funny, fun. It's such a link. There's such a link to it and I never even fucking yeah. imagined before. That's why every time we're always saying that the best comedians are those drug addicts that just no one watches. Yeah. And it's because it's purely in the moment and it's just purely reacting to the stimulus that's happening there and they have wild imaginations because they're drug addicts. It's it's not actually – this is the whole thing. It's not comedy. It's fun. You're just watching fun on stage. Keep talking. Well, anyway, oh, I think Neil's cat's like done some. Here we go. This is this is, this is pathetic. Like this is turning into this sort of lecture. As you see here, this is uh, rooms for fertile grounds for fun because uh, you know an unexpected event happened. So I need you to take note of that in the future. This is so sad. In the book, I can't believe that we're at a, a period in human history where in the book it's saying write down instances of your life where you had fun and what were the circumstances surrounding it. It was homework. Isn't that insane? Like, and and, and, I'm having and fun I right need it right as now. well. Huh? I'm, having, I'm having fun right now. Yeah? I think I am, yeah. Well, I'm laughing. Well, like this <laughs> good. Because you're, that's, a, that's an astute observation. It's funny. Linking something as serious and uh, regimented as homework to the idea of fun. Yeah. And accentuating the ridiculousness of it in your tone of voice. It was funny because it was fun. Yeah, it has. It's, it's got that. It's, it's there. Those two things are there. But then again, it's like not really the same as uh, – look uh, – are you one of those typical millennials? I am too, where you have to plan to have fun or you're like, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to have more fun in my life, which I actually have consciously been trying to do for the last couple of years. But then when you plan for fun, when you try to have fun and enjoy yourself, well, they cancel each other out because you're expecting to have fun. And then if you don't have fun, 
you feel bad and you put pressure on yourself to have more fun next time. And it's just <laughs> Is that what happens? It's a negative loop. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this well, no, that's a you problem. Oh. That's definitely something that you would experience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so probably it's so exactly that. I could see that happening basically like, yeah, again, like planning to have fun it, yeah. in the future. Well, you can't just turn on the fun, can you? Huh? You can't just turn on the fun. Oh, I'm just gonna have fun now. You gotta plan for it to a certain degree. No, well, this is the whole thing. Well, no, no. People that are having fun day to day right? and, like, their lives are just a wreck. It's a natural part of their consciousness and their being. They just That's just how they move through the world. In a way, if you're going to put it this way, their life is organised to have fun in that it is not organised in the slightest. Right. And so they just – that's the whole thing. They just walk around in life having all these misadventures, which is where fun occurs. Even this, for instance, right, like, all right, this is this is a horrible observation too. My palate cleanser at the moment is this Japanese couple that owns otters, and I highly recommend it. They've got you know, ten million views every video that they put out. It's like five minutes. It's the best, you know. Anytime that you just just like all right, I've I've done enough of like vengeance writing today, and I just need to get my mind out of it very quickly. I'll just put on one of those videos, and it's two otters living in a Japanese apartment. And, like, obviously because they're Japanese, like, they know how to make it extra cute, you know? Like, and it's just – it's the cutest animal on earth to begin with and then they're, you know, throwing them little parties and putting little party hats on them. (laughs) 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 You know? Uh, Great selection of music, a lot of that, like – You know, and then there's annoying little squeaks. And the thing is (laughs) – I'm laughing at the idea of you having gone from "quote unquote" vengeance writing. Oh my god! It's something so that will probably get you sued <laughs> by someone from the Liberal Party into watching two otters in an apartment <laughs> with, with cute music. It's insane. Oh, it's such. You know what else as well? I need it. It helps. It soothes the pain. It's so good. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, and you know what else as well? This is the greatest thing of it. It doesn't have that same thing that a lot of other things have. It's just like, yeah, now watch another thing. Oh, this is slightly related. Oh, you've wasted two hours of your life. It's just like five minutes and you're out. Just in a great mood. Hmm. Get on with your day. Um, but it was, it was such a bad realisation when I just realised, like, dude, these two otters are just tussling around in the apartment all day and they'll just like, I don't know, get a box of soft toys and dump them on them and they'll be like, <laughs> just going through them. They're having so much fun. Wait, are these real otters? They're real otters. Oh, I thought it was a cartoon. No, dude, no. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. These are pet otters. Okay. They're pet otters. That's what animals I, do. I've they have God, fun. I wish I had some. Animals have fun. Humans are the one... And, and humans who live in civilization are probably the one animal that doesn't have fun. Yeah, probably. I think. Well, I don't know. Anything... Would like a crocodile have fun? I feel like. Surely not. Uh, maybe a baby crocodile. I feel like a baby crocodile would have fun. Maybe. Maybe. Um, well, okay. Fun is also linked to play and play is kind of just prepping for the real world. Uh-huh, yeah. Imaginative tussling. Imaginative tussling. Hmm. So they are they are having fun because there's like because this is the whole thing like should should grown men still be wrestling and 
doing the things that we likely did as kids, just being boisterous and and scallywags and making mischief. This book argues, yes, because like, well, I agree, it would be good for the individual, but wouldn't civilization <laughs> collapse? <laughs> No, I think it's the, the elites have fun. They go have oh, their yeah. sex parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, these are adult fun things, aren't they? It's orgies and these are the only acceptable. Isn't this dark? The only acceptable fun for anyone over the age of 12 is like. It's sexual in it, nature, it, isn't it? Sex or drugs. That's it. Like yeah. destructive things. That's all you can do. Uh, nothing else. Like, I don't know, going to laser tag. It's just, it's pathetic. Like I've done it and I love doing it, but like. Yeah, you know, when when you're when you're with a group of twenty year olds and you go to laser tag, and then there's another group of twenty year olds, and like that are all there at like some office bonding session or something, you're just like this. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's more shameful than having yeah. a wank, really. Like, because <laughs> it's like it's a public wank. <laughs> so I'd like. Yeah, something about laser tag specifically. Yeah, it's it sad. Up of, <laughs> it conjures up like that's sad. Corporate existence. So tr- oh my god! Yeah, we're having fun today, guys. We're team bonding. Yeah, team. Oh, that we got Sarah from HR. We got Dave from accountants. Oh look, she got the high score. Good on you, Sarah. All right, let's play again. We're getting drinks after. <sighs> yeah, it's. Want to crack pathetic. on to Sarah? Oh, she rejected me. Uh oh, <laughs> she's in HR. <laughs> oh, I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting fired. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, let's let's just put it this way. I'm not complaining about my life. Like that would be so much worse. Being in that specific office environment would be horrible. But you know what else as well? They are doing it. They are like, that's like, see, this is the whole thing. Like corporations actually do understand this because they do have those like office bonding days. Well, yeah. And the the thing is like. The best best, uh, behavioral psychologists at their disposable to decipher exactly what will Cause the team to be as productive as possible. Yes. So to ha- it, like, I, I would look at that and be like, what the fuck is this? But clearly they've done copious amounts of research to understand that this somehow causes Coca-Cola to sell uh, more drinks by getting, getting the marketing team together for a team bonding session. Yeah, and holy moly. We'll, we'll increase our output by 5%. That's why all those like indoor putt-putt places that serve drinks exist now, hey? It's purely because there's like every corporation has cottoned onto this. It's just like we can't afford the fun room that Google has, but we can rent one. Yeah, all the medium-sized businesses. That's all they it is. The, yeah, didn't think of that. Holy moly, those all those fun adult small businesses can actually get corporates in during the day and probably make most of their money that way. Yep, that's what's happening there. Smart. I mean, yeah, it is definitely. It's, it's see, this is it's, it's just incredible. It's just like, uh, like first of all, fun is just getting designated. But again, like it's it's supposed to be like a free activity that kind of just happens and is sort of the, the novelty aspect of it is what I think the, the, the whole thing that the brain it's talking about is that it's just like novelty experiences to the brain jumpstart it. When you're just going down a track and you just become a machine and the machine just starts getting more and more creaky. And so if you do anything that is outside of that and your brain wakes up again, this is the other thing is why uh, 
fake fun as it's talking about social media. It does the exact opposite thing. It makes your brain work worse and puts you just down this loophole of doing nothing. Or in the meantime, like, you know, if you just went out to the dog park and just sat there for like 15 minutes, you, you would feel so much more re-energized than if you spent the next four hours on TikTok, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So It's, it's addictive though. It's so addictive because it's just, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's just there. Like it's it takes some effort to get out of your apartment, anything. But th- that is just right, that, you know, and it's done. Well, we're in a unique position. I always justify it by seeing how a clip has uh, is performing. That's why I go on it. Ooh, how's this one performing? Yeah. But then 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, fuck. No. <laughs> now I'm in a bad mood. You know what I think actually really helps break that spell? is thinking about how many intelligent people are sitting around thinking about how to grab your attention. So just constantly curating the site to make it more and more grabby. Um, And that's their entire profession and they're much smarter than you are. There's like a word for it now. Yeah, attention merchants. Like it's a business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't you think merchant is such oh, a scummy word? Because that's the commodity, isn't it? The attention. It, that is the economy. That's the economy. It's the entire economy now. Oh. It's because like, you know, it's, it's keep you there long enough, advertisement, bam. You know, like, and, and, you know, billions of people getting harvested for their waste of time. I know we talk about it all the time, but it does really actually scare the fuck out of me that like <laughs> our generation is already warped by it. Gen Z is just beyond repair at this point. Like- Dude, none of them are getting any skills. Some of them will get skills in getting attention to harvest more people onto TikTok. Mm. That's the skill that they're developing. But, you know, it it really is. This is something that was just incredible that I learned the other day. China has limited the amount of time that their – I think it's their entire population or it could be under 16 – time on TikTok to 40 minutes a day. And even in that 40 minutes, every six minutes, a a, a, a message comes on from the Chinese government being like, get off this. You are wasting your life. I've also, and then it goes back to it. I've also heard they specifically have an algorithm that promotes what they believe are uh, virtuous behaviours to promulgate among young people. So instead of dancers or... Uh, strong political opinions. It's people showing off their achievements in engineering or aerospace, aerospace, aeronautical engineering, whatever, whatever it might be, but they're actually compelling teenagers to uh, uh, move towards something that is going to be of benefit to the society at large. Amazing. That's they've they've gamed it. They've gamed TikTok. Yeah. That's amazing. Like limiting it to forty minutes, and all the messages that you're getting there the whole time is like become an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's sick. Uh, why does TikTok get this sort of unfair criticism when all the others are exactly the same? They started the trend. Yes, and that's true. That is a fair criticism. The 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 thing that is it's particularly pernicious on TikTok. Isn't TikTok it? is by because now I'm just like. I got one of I got a I got one of my researchers to just do something on it because I'd noticed with the Gen Zers that I know that they used to be like a lot sharper than they are now and they used to read books 
And then it scared me at the last Christmas. I was talking to my niece and her boyfriend and they were just like, I don't read books anymore. And I tried to read a book the other day and I couldn't even get past 100 pages. And I was thinking, this is fucked. And also like the, the things that they think and the way that their brain works is noticeably different. 100 pages is not bad. 100 pages isn't bad, but it's just like, dude, I read a fucking book a week minimum. You know, like it's not yeah. hard. It's oh, just like it's it's uh, like wait, seven hours of your life. Are we talking about a hundred pages in one setting? In, in no, one no, no, sitting? no, 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 oh, no, no. No, no. It's just like, and then after that, he just stopped and realized he wasn't able to contain the information anymore. Oh, then I was looking at okay. brain scans. I thought you meant they just could only read a hundred pages in one sitting, and then they lost attention. Which I yeah, no, that I mean, that would be phenomenal. Exactly, that would like, yeah. blow me out of the water. Like okay. that's amazing. Okay. No, they're not. <laughs> No, that's not what's happened to them. That's not at all. <laughs> You're a yeah, no, proficient like, reader, but it's not Chinese. You know? like, it's not happening. Sorry. Um, and then, and then, like the, uh, I was looking at the brain scans of it, and then they were just showing it in comparison to television. And television, when you're watching it, you are using your brain twenty percent less than when you're sleeping. That's watching TV. They were watching and showing it an adult's brain before and all of the parts that are firing up are in red that's the high functioning parts of the brain and then the rest of the brain is green which means low functioning not really doing anything they show someone after 10 minutes on tiktok the entire the entire brain is green the only thing that is red at that point is that reptilian can't remember what it's called but you know that like little core part there that's kind of just like sex i'm hungry i'm gonna bed that's the only thing that's firing Everything else has been completely debilitated. How do you know? Ten minutes. How do you know that this isn't uh, Facebook and Google sponsored propaganda to uh, take <laughs> down their uh, competitor? Because you know why? You know why I think this is the case? Because the universities that are studying it were saying the same thing. They were just like, okay, social media in general fucked a generation. Yeah. But this is, you know, this is the dead horse, and now they're just jamming it with a bayonet. It's it's so. It's the next level. It's just the same thing as like just how like the Chinese have been able to uh, grow their economy higher than, chi than the US is despite being at a distinct disadvantage like 50 years ago and now they're better. It's just, dude, Asians do everything better. What are you doing? Get her off, get her off the table. Hey. Give her a... Come here. Give her a, give her a light smack. No. No, that's very naughty. There we go. I'll put her on a diet. Oh, really? Yeah, you put on too, too heavy a winter coat for my liking. So she's trying to eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to... What was the opportunity cost for all the hours that I would have spent on social media since I was, well, 10? I got MSN. I don't know if you'd call MSN social media. I suppose you would. It was the would. beginning. Yeah, but I spent so much time on that stupid thing. I know. And then I spent a lot of time on Facebook. I think I had a particular proclivity to social media even for someone of that generation because, well if you do feel socially ostracized to a certain degree, and I wasn't a loner or anything like that in high school, but I guess I found more solace online. And I actually think intelligent people probably would spend more time online because they'd, one, have a much more addictive brain 
and two, would be able to contend with ideas that actually stimulate them that might not be found in their social group or at, at school. Now, I read this book recently. You love it. It's called The Intelligence Trap, and it's all about how people with some of the highest measured IQs actually engage in behaviors that you would just not think possible or not think reasonable for someone uh, of a uh, with an outlier IQ. So they measured people at the age of seven or eight with like outlier IQs who were just performing at, at just ridiculous levels academically. They were just they w- would have been in what we would call year four or five and were performing at a year eleven or twelve level. And wow. then you fast forward twenty or thirty years, they're duds. They haven't really achieved much. They've mm. sort of given up on society. They mm. Mm. they're just either not stimulated or uh, they were too in their own head or for whatever reason they just couldn't actually be a part of a given social structure because mm. I would assume it would be like a human trying to integrate with apes or something like that. Yes. Although having said that, they've now done some different measurement of IQ and found that other animals actually don't have an IQ less than humans, but it's just the way humans have been able to coalesce into groups and communities that Mm. have allowed us to achieve the things we have. Mm. Mm. Uh, Intelligent people also are far more likely to have what could be called fringe or uh, even conspiracy-esque political opinions because they're just far more likely to convince themselves of why their initial position is correct. Yes, yes. And that doesn't mean they're objectively correct. That just means that they can get far more nuanced and find any given evidence to further confirm whatever bias they may have. Mm. So Mm. this book is really fascinating. It's called The Intelligence Trap. Mm. And Mm. I would guess intelligent people are more inclined to become social media addicts. That would just be a guess, but it could... The everyone, I don't know. I know they've said, I think, if I remember correctly, intelligent people are actually more likely to suffer from alcoholism. Mm. The higher I, your IQ, the more likely you are to be an alcoholic. Really speaks true to I what think I think. So, think. yeah, I can't, I can't attest to the uh, definite veracity of that, but I, I heard it somewhere and I'm. I'm but it, it seems right. Sense. Yeah, it seems right. I mean, so mm. many barristers that I know are drunks. So many politicians, so many high-functioning journalists just have a, a brandy in their fucking, you know, like they, they are. They are Intelligent people are, are alcos. Yeah, or drug addicts or addicts of some sort. It's the same thing with selective school kids. So many of them that I know are druggos. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't really had observed that but i've observed that the white kids that went to a selective school are more far more likely to become druggos but the, right. the, well, a, that would the actually, asian ones usually just get subsumed into the uh, corporate world the corporate machine yeah and do very well for themselves yeah yeah you know they now got a uh, incentive where 20 percent of spots at a selective school have to be from disadvantaged communities so that's either uh, economic disadvantage. I don't know how they measure that and what sort of tier of salary their parents have to earn below. So I don't exactly because I would assume most of the kids at the selective school, at least 20% of them probably would be considered from a disadvantaged family uh, or uh, of a certain migrant background or Aboriginal uh, or having come from some sort of trauma, I think. 
And if they get within 10% of the cutoff range, they are allowed a spot. And I think it's actually now, well, they actually have to have 20% from the that quote-unquote disadvantaged sector of society. Dude, why? It's ridiculous. It's, it's, I don't, I, I don't see no, how that's fruitful because- But this, they've already, this is like well disproven at this point. The whole point of a selective school was supposed to equalize the opportunities for people- from all walks of life because it's still a public school. And by exactly. the way, for anyone who's not from Sydney, selective school, it's a public school and it's just a test you have to do and there are certain schools that are more revered than others and harder to get into. You know what I think is? I think private schools are sick of the selective schools dominating the ATAR rankings. What, so you're just trying to like bump I, it down? I, that's my conspiracy theory. It could make sense. It really could. Because there's because no, there's no evidence of it. Yeah, well, they, they're shit. You really are paying for nothing. You're paying for the fact that you, you can have footy games with the son of bloody the CEO of Optus. That's what you're paying for. Yeah, you're playing, pay, paying for the connections. Which is in itself is fine. It's like, why do they need probably, an ATI? They shouldn't even bother. Yeah, it's an investment that probably would be worthwhile if you're going to school with a bunch of kids who have elite parents. That's going to serve you well, regardless of whether you get a 70 or an 88 yeah, And then the selective school kid that works his ass off to get 99. Yeah. But has zero social skills and doesn't go to any parties. Yeah. Well, what do you do? There's a, there's a ceiling to how far they can go, even in the corporate world. Yeah. You're just in the actuary department, aren't you? Yeah. I think you're right. I really, that, that would make total sense because there, there are studies on this of just like allowing minorities into you know you know primo universities because of this and it's it's like bad for everyone and you know the other thing as well this is the thing that they always say about the minorities in it when they start surveying them they're just kind of like look i know why i'm here and it's very obvious that I'm dumber than everyone else here so like why the fuck am i here you know and like it makes them perform even worse but then they just get because they were going to that elite university. Then they just get the claps, and then they go into the corporate world. And the book was just arguing like it's just so grossly inefficient. Like it's the exact opposite way of how meritocracy is supposed to run. And it's it's it is, and it, it hurts. Just, uh, it, it hurts East Asians the most because, from what I've heard, now I'm not an expert on this at all, but the certain racial quotas in American universities. And before that, East Asians just would always dominate the cohort mm -hmm. completely disproportionately relative to their um, population. But because now they have a minimum requirement for blacks, Latinos, um, that is actually degrading the dominance of East Asians. And they, in effect, have to perform better on the test than many of the other races. Mm. So mm. by, you know helping blacks and latinos you've arguably been racist against asians oh, not yeah. exactly coming from riches most of them are coming <laughs> from with, vietnam yeah and their parents have a you know it's basically a sweatshop in new york somewhere yeah so anyway yeah i, I look fun how much does culture play into fun because don't you think certain cultures when you think about i don't know i just think about say latin culture which is a, Seems fun. a very broad brush there but the stereotype is they're fun they're lively they love to party italy same thing yeah yeah 
Most of Western Europe. You know Europe. what? Most, well, yes, but every time I ever see any documentary about Italy, it always seems like that they've just really mastered life. Seems to be a lot of open markets and like people just sitting around not doing much and drinking coffees. Um, there is there's definitely element to the economy is not doing particularly well. Shocking, shocking economy. Um, and I guess it just goes back to the same thing. But it's like, look, at the very least. There really should be some. This is pathetic, but like I'm, I'm getting to that same point that you're kind of saying, right? Like it's just like you, you, you do actually need to designate some time to have it. Otherwise, your life is just a complete blur, and you don't make any new connections. You just keep going down the same path, and I think that that's the entire point. It's like, and how how interesting is this? You tell a child, studies on this, you tell a child to stand still for a minute. I mean, they can only stand still for a minute, right? You say stand still, the longest they can last is a minute. You tell them that they are a British guard and that British guards don't move. They can last four minutes. So even just that one teeny playful element gives you four times the level of productivity. So I guess maybe the way to do it is to at least wow. integrate it into your life somehow. Maybe not even designate it as in now you have to go to a finger painting class because it's something that you don't do. It could even be just something as quick, as easy as just trying to make your brain think about situations in a more imaginative way. Don't you think having pets or, or young children is a really effective way to em- embrace the 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 fun within you because just by nature of being around a, a, a dog or little toddlers, by, by you know, interacting with them, you're going to have to get on their level and have a lot of fun with them. Yes. Because they're playing. They've got their own playground that they're playing in. Yes. And to interact with them, to enter their world, you have to be as fun as them. Yes. It's Maybe not cats, true. but dogs definitely. Definitely dogs. Thing is, though, that dogs have very limited play. They have two games they like. They like fetch and they like tug of war. And they both get pretty tiring pretty quickly. Fair. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I, like, actually, what I like, this is what I like about big dogs, because I actually think that this never gets tiring. And it was something that the studies in childhood psychology that was uh, – boys that wrestle with their dads as kids are better adjusted when they grow up. Mm. Um, what did they theorize was the reason for that? Is it because they could sort of, they knew the limits of their strength and their capacity and they understood that people who were maybe physically larger than them were not necessarily a threat? Maybe. I wrestled with my dad a little bit, not too much. I always remembered that it was like the most fun that I had. Yeah. I really liked wrestling with my – and the same with – that's what I was saying. Like with dogs, like large dogs, you can wrestle with them. Yeah. yeah. And that's always fun. Yeah. 
From, Even to this day, yeah. I really like wrestling with my I love like, it, yeah. Aussie bulldog. It's great. Yeah. And, yeah, as a kid, every single time it was just like, you know, what do you want to do, board game, park or something like that. It was just like, nah, and just run at my dad. It was the best one. That was the best game. Yeah, looking back, I would have to say those instances of play with my dad that often involved some form of wrestling were really just very jovial. Yeah. I don't know why that one hit so well. I wonder what the female equivalent is. They didn't like wrestling. Just sitting down and talking, I'm, I'm assuming. Like tea parties? <laughs> tea parties, of course. That's fine. That's imaginative. It's imaginative. And then the boys would love coming around and just ruining it all. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like as evil as this is, the the thought of like primary school girls crying because you just like – you know, and farted on her Barbie th- or something. Farted on the Barbie, and like then- threw a tennis ball in the middle of their like little <laughs> circle or something. They're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Those were good times. <laughs> the misogyny is learned from a very young age. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I think that's it. It's boys like causing bedlam. They like they like just making things chaotic. Yeah, yeah. Boys will either destroy things or construct things. Yeah, but in between. I think as a boy, like you don't really feel like doing anything. The only constructive thing I remember wanting to do was build a tree house. And that was it. Okay. Nothing else. Everything else I wanted to do was always didn't like you want to wrestle. build Lego or do anything like that? Yeah, okay. All right. I yeah, love that. A, a lot of Lego. It was a lot of Lego. These big domino sets where you could sort of – set them up all across the floor and then going up onto tables and things and try to get them all to go uh yeah, but that was line. the fun part the fun part was the destruction of it oh, just being like yeah. i enjoyed the uh imagination of uh sort of designing how that line of dominoes would be built yeah 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 no i really like that maybe i'm wrong then yeah maybe you do actually like constructing things as a boy too it's just the things that you no okay but okay all right that or Having like a water bomb fight with your friends. Yeah, yeah, that was water bomb fights. Water always, bomb fight was incredible. A lot of fun. Yeah. Backyard cricket was great. Uh, I used to wrestle with my sister a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to ask her if she uh, had fun there. It seemed uh, like maybe. she did. Maybe. I remember one of the times when I was a kid, I laughed more than I've, I don't think I've ever laughed as much as this. It was when this would have been in 2001 or two, there were some uh, quite severe bushfires that were ravaging New South Wales, nothing compared to what we experienced two or three years ago, but there was a lot of ash in the air. Yeah. And then um, she just made a fart sound or something. Yeah. And then she goes, that was the ash, and I just, just I don't know why, I just like snot came out of my mouth, and I was crying. I never laughed so hard in my life, and I almost passed out laughing, and I don't even know why. And to this day, I, I just remember that as 
one of the funniest moments of my life. Because it's just so absurd that like, oh, the ash did that. Like, <laughs> like the ash farted. <laughs> but I've never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> that is incredible. That That's so good. Yeah. She would have been like three as well. And that, that helps yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot of fun involves, you know, our baser. Uh, activities doesn't it involve some form of like farting or just moving without any particular organized rhythm or making silly noises well someone i was on joe rogan and they said they went hunting with this tribe in it was kenya and he was saying the hunters bef- they would spend a couple of days chasing whether it were one particular animal and and they'd always be farting on each other and just doing things that you would associate with, say, five-year-old boys. Mm. These were just grown adult hunters. Mm. Why? You know what else as well, though? It is just a thing of just like a release of tension, I guess, but it's also just, look. When is farting ever not funny? That's a, it's just such a, Never it's a ridiculous noise. That's. Yeah, it is. It's, but it's again, like, why? Why is it? I don't fucking like. It just it gets to a certain point. Yeah, heaps of bodily things are just funny. But like, you know what else was like very fun? Now that I'm thinking back at it, when me and my friends would just make videos like we make now the thing is you know what's you've probably noticed this right like it's not fun making videos anymore well, it's work it's entirely yeah. work no it's definitely not fun performing i remember when i first started performing because it was a hobby and it was something i had big aspirations about it was probably much more fun then and it became a job and it was still extremely fulfilling yeah, it's fulfilling, but, but it's not fun. It's, no, no, it's definitely not fun. I had a lot of fun a couple of weeks ago making beats. So I used to, when I was in high school, I almost went down the path of being either a DJ or a producer. I mean, everyone was. Mm. Everyone still is. That's really mm. like the revered artistic Dream. profession for yes. any like, teenage boys. But yes. uh, I just tried it again a couple of weeks ago. Man, did I have a lot of fun doing that. There's no pressure. I had no incentive to think about how many views this would get. What sort of message am I trying to uh, stall here? Like just, just purely playing with my imagination and seeing if I could sort of coordinate different sounds to create a harmonious overall product. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm. And it's actually going to be I've um, I've produced the next Cog Dog song. Out of that, yeah, yeah. Well, see, there you go. So, like, so it, it's it this was fun. Is, it was fun, but it was also like you got a product out of it, but you weren't chasing a product. It just kind of happened. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you should try that. Like, try some sort of completely different artistic approach, whilst still. Just loosely understanding this may be integrated into my main content as well. 
look, it's the only way that I'm going to be able to justify it in my head. But I noticed this because like, all right, while I was up in Queensland for I think like, I don't know, felt like six months. It felt like it's so long. Uh, Miss was there and that fun spirit just being there, you just go into all of these misadventures. As soon as he's gone, I was in Brisbane by myself for a couple of days. I didn't leave the apartment. Didn't leave the apartment. I was just sitting there writing the whole time. I think that I'm incapable of it at this point. I think I'm just like a complete, I've turned into a cyborg. Can't do it. I, I, it's it's like so counterintuitive for me to not be working now that, yeah, like even mm. just that, I had to remind myself of what fun even is in the first place. Damn. I'm still having like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a strange, strange phenomenon. But it's the same thing over and over. It's like experiencing something with someone else that is novelty where there is no pressure. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be with someone else. As you just said then before, you were producing beats by yourself, but it was novelty and there was no pressure. Mm, that's the big one, no pressure. Novelty no and no pressure. pressure needs to be there. Yeah. No pressure has to be there. Yeah, yeah. No pressure has to be there and... I mean, look, you can actually just see it in the otters. That's most of those videos are just them just being like, here's a new toy and then being like around it, playing with it. Or like, here's a pool, you know, seeing what they do with it. In fact, you know, the podcast, you know, the podcast cold ones, right? Yeah. Most of that is just like, okay, apart from them getting hammered, most of it is just them opening shit up that they've bought. Uh, just yeah, as man children with like, un, well, they've got like unlimited budgets essentially because like people just pay them to open things up on screen that they want. Like they'll just be like, we went to Fiverr and we made a, I don't know, like one of those orcs from fucking World of Warcraft. And then you open it up and they're just like, oh, that's awesome. And then just might smash it or, you know, play around <laughs> with it or something. And that's the whole, that's the podcast <laughs> just over and over again being like, yeah, oh, that sucks. Well, how do basic... I don't know, he's not. He's not on them. I always get him mixed up with one of them. But how do basics videos are very fun in a way because mm. it's just chaos. It's pure, pure chaos. Absolutely chaos. Very funny about it is the thumbnail makes it seem like it's going to be very serious and informative. Yes. And it's just him yelling, making weird sexual noises behind the camera, yes. breaking everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and people like it. Mm. People want to watch other people having fun. Yeah. Well, that's a big part of comedy. I don't know, though. Like, see, this is the whole thing. Like, would you? Oh, no, actually, okay. I would imagine that, like, improvisation is that. Again, though, there's yes. certain rules to it. So it's like performance to me, performance to me really feels like it's a profession. Like, I really yeah. feel like when I'm Same. on stage, the whole time I'm sitting there and, like, I can't. I know like when you're in the zone, when you're in flow, that's that's the best point yes. and that's what you're always searching for is flow. And that's becoming rarer and, and rarer, I've found. Mm. I think so too. Although I did find a trick about that recently. But I'll tell you that off air. That is a performer's insider hey, secret. Tips of the trade. Tips of the trade. But um, 
No, to me, all that's happening on stage is you're just thinking about like, okay, that laugh didn't land as well as it did last time. What was wrong with the delivery? You, you, you are having these thoughts automatically while you're doing it. So it's just, it's immediately that like the pressure is there. You know what's really strange though? You would have had this in high school, right? You would have been in front of people and not had any pressure. Like there was the fear. There was the fear that you go on stage, obviously. That's always going to be there. But after you get over that one thing of just like, this is a little trick for anybody that has ever has stage fright or anything. Just know that it's like going into water and it's like cold for, you know, 10 seconds and then after that it's fine. That's what being on stage is like, right? But after that stage, was there points where you were just in front of other people, maybe not even with planned material and you were just... Yeah, occasionally, yeah. But even by the time I was in high school, there was a certain amount of pressure I was probably placing on myself more than anything to get laughs and to... Uh, to achieve a certain response from the audience. Hmm. But I can come up with a few instances where that was severely limited, if not entirely eradicated, and that definitely was fun, yes. But every time, like... Well, you, what, was, what, was, what, what was happening? You know, when I was not the main character in a play and I was the comedic main character, the sidekick or the whatever it might have been, I had the most fun then. Less pressure. Less pressure. Less pressure. Uh, it was in a way my job to be the, the, the funny person there, but it just was freeing. It was liberating in, in some respects. Yeah. To not be the manager, to not be the director. If I'm just the actor in any film that I'm doing or if I'm – doing a guest appearance on someone else's video, I definitely feel a lot less pressure and I do think I can bring about far more enjoyment and fun. Fuck, you're absolutely right. Jesus, you're so right. As soon as you're on someone else's set. Pressure gone, yeah. It's the pressure. The pressure's the, you know what? Even when you're on stage, you know when you have that feeling of, just before you say a joke, you have that feeling of like, all right, I'm saying the joke now. And there's just even that tiny little thing of just like, you're supposed to laugh at this point, as in like you are searching for an outcome in that exact moment. You can feel the audience Definitely. get like, it gets dull. It gets dull. Like they subconsciously know that you've done the whole like, and they don't like it. And they don't like it. It's so hard to keep something like that fresh, when you're, particularly when you're performing as much as we are. But I suppose that's just fun on stage. It's a rare instance to be able to experience that because a lot of people will be uh, – uh, they'll experience overbearing anxiousness or – be so nervous that they can't possibly get to the point where they're having fun or it's a job and there's 
always going to be a certain amount of pressure that comes with that. So if you can meet in the middle there, like that's why high school is probably the best opportunity because the pressure was coming from schoolwork or social situations and performing on stage was more of a cathartic release than anything else. Mm, damn. It does bring me back. See, this is the whole thing. You, you're actually the perfect person to talk to this about because it's just like most of the fun that we've had is on stage and that's it. Yeah. Or, or like because it's just the closest thing you, you you're generating it, you know, I suppose. When the book asked you when was the last time you had fun, what would you have said? Well, I immediately said that. Stage? Stage. Or when you were with your girlfriend and you did the moss thing? My example of that was, uh, yeah, it, it was it was the same examples, but it was just, yeah, it was it was my girlfriend and I just kind of like playing around in the water at Fiji. And again, just no, no outcome. Oh, and also like this memory I really like was feeding turtles in the Cayman, uh, in the Bahamas. That was amazing. Cause that was just like feeding ducks as a kid, but they were sea turtles. It's just so much better. Uh, yeah, that sounds cool. I think a good relationship will have a lot of fun. Have to. Well, yeah, it probably relies on that. Because if it's too have serious to. and it feels like a business and it feels like work, that's probably one of the biggest turnoffs, isn't it? Or it just feels like work. Oh, man. You have to be able to have fun with your partner. But then I suppose why can't you extrapolate that and say shouldn't, a work environment also have the same degree of fun? Why shouldn't it? If we're saying it's conducive to a healthy long-term partnership, wouldn't that also be conducive to a uh, healthy long-term professional partnership? Because you're not exactly meeting deadlines and having to uh, get to a certain output of whatever product or service you may be selling in a relationship. There's still work. There's a lot of work involved. You're delegating tasks. Because you do hear a lot of older married people always saying you have to, well, not all of them, but uh, I've often heard, oh, marriage has to be seen as a business to a certain degree. Because really? it's about delegating tasks and being willing to compromise and having the ability to negotiate with your partner. Well, that's definitely true. But then you also hear that it, it, a romantic relationship has to involve a large degree of, of fun and play. Well, this is why a lot of people just keep moving in and out of relationships is because the novelty wears off. So it actually might be very important to think about fun purely if you just want to keep the thing alive. You have to be doing – you know what else as well? Something that like – see, this is just such an adult, you know, again, office kind of job thing. Playing board games with my girlfriend. There's this one board game that we play endlessly 
called Carcassonne or something like that. And it's the best combination. It's just like just the right amount of strategy, just the right amount of chance and gets that, those kind of like, oh my God, kind of outcomes out of it. And you know what else as well? That is great because that lasts about 20 minutes and it gives you like a perk, changes your state, and then you can move on to other things and then you feel this is the whole thing. This is this there's two aspects to it that's really important. First is that it kind of just like regenerates you. And then yeah, I think that the other one is as we were just discussing before, it does actually give you time to think about things differently put what you're putting into perspective because otherwise, yeah, you are just thinking about things way too seriously. And when you think about things seriously, your mind just closes in on itself. It becomes, it's the same thing as like when you are arguing or something like that, your mind, it's, it's, it's a lot harder for your mind to grasp different ideas. Right. It's in a mode of survival rather than exploration. Exactly. So that's the whole thing. Like you're just looking for exploration. I didn't think of it like that. Which is really important. It's very important, yeah. So, what are you gonna to conclude this? What are you? Uh, how are you gonna integrate some of those tips that the book may have suggested? How are you gonna have more fun? There was one thing. Now that you mention it, that I've just forgotten about until right now, which was it's a very good idea to write down these instances because it just acts as a reminder in your head because this is the other thing that happens a lot especially in our jobs I think you are offered moments of novelty all throughout the day you're offered them but I think especially people like us we're kind of just like now nah, I've got other things to do what's an example you just push it away let's go even as basic as this you're at a cafe and the person just says like, oh, I got your order wrong or something like that. Now, I think that what I noticed is like, say someone like me, who so just has no outcome at all in life. He'll just be like, oh, did you misplace it? Did you? Oh, that's, yeah, uh, that happens. You know, like just, just starts some kind of small talk exchange with them and get some kind of like tiny little adventure out of it, right? But that's a mindset that happens there. Whereas like with me, it's just like, yeah, oh yeah, sorry, I misplaced your order or something like that. And I'd just be like, yeah, that's all right. Because I just want to go back to work. So I'm just like immediately shutting off anything that is not in that direction, you know? So like in day-to-day life, you are offered all of these very, like just any, this is pretty much it, right? Like anything that is out of the ordinary that happens to you in your life is a moment that you could be turned into something that's like memorable and novelty. Those happen to you every day. Like even, okay, just then, this is what I'm talking about. When I'm just saying it, I'm just, I'm talking about it as like a very, very, very basic level version of what's happening. But like even Neil picking his cat up to get them off the table because it was like a different stimulus thing. You could see Neil smile, which is the beginnings of fun. It's the beginnings of it, you know? See, I'm doing it right now. It's because something out of the ordinary happened. 
So it's like, it's like basically just being like, this is the whole thing. Do you want to pursue that? And if you pursue that, it turns into something that turns into like an adventure, it turns into a memory, stimulates your brain in a different way, uh, gives your brain breath to think about things, especially in professions like ours, which is just basically our business is creativity. It's very ironic that our entire business then after a while becomes very uncreative mm. and just becomes a production factory. Do you think that also comes down to people's genetic proclivity as to whether they will be conservatives or liberals in that some people are far more inclined to look for safety and structure and consistency and some people are more inclined to look for novelty and exploration and that gives them a great degree of enjoyment and refreshment, mental refreshment, whereas... I think for someone like me, consistency is what gives me that mental refreshment, unless I've just been environmentally conditioned to think that way. You think consistency gives you the environment, the, the, the refreshment that you need? Sometimes, yeah. Do you think it's yeah. refreshment or do you think it's satisfaction? Well, not okay, consistency might not be the right word. I think uh, comfort, something I understand, something I know, coming back to a routine. Yeah, that's comforting. Yeah. That's comforting. It's the same thing. Like it's, it's, different it's not refresh, even comforting for refreshing. me to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I'd much prefer to just sit in my room. As I was saying then, I'd much prefer to sit in my room all day and just obsess over the Byzantines or whatever. I prefer to do that. But again, I think it's just that thing of, yeah, you're right. Like some people are just conditioned to just go down those alleyways and constantly seek novelty. And as a result, they have fun. I wonder how environmental. But you have comfort. Yeah. I really, I, I would be very intrigued to see any studies that try and decipher whether that is environmental or genetic. It, it, I'm calling it now. It's genetic. That's genetic so? for sure. That's don't, just, yeah. Don't you think, say, if someone grew up in a hyper-stressful environment, a lot of unpredictability, a trauma response might be to just try and discover the fun in everyday moments as a way to alleviate the pervasive stress that seems to always have some level of existence within their environment. Maybe. You, don't, you know, that's the classic cliche of like, oh, you go to Africa and everyone's so happy or you go, you know, you go to like pork. <laughs> Poor, poor communities and the families there, they're all on welfare, but they're just like smiling and happy all the time. Now, no, it's not always the case. It's a cliche and it's a stereotype and there's a certain truth to it. And I wonder if that is just a sort of coordinated Darwinian response to minimize the stress that comes about from a stressful environment. Damn. To just explore little avenues of novelty and fun no. whenever possible. Whereas, whereas see, <laughs> yeah. if you grew up in a far more structured and rigorous environment with a high degree, with a with a you know a high impetus on achievement, then you would have maybe trained your brain, not even consciously, like subconsciously, your brain would have formed in a way that seeks consistency and patterns rather than novelty. 
I don't know. I, I just wondered. I, I'm sure it's like partly genetic, partly environmental. I don't think it would be entirely genetic, though. I think, look, this you okay, now if you're saying it like that, probably would have to be a mix as everything is. But, like, the reason that it would be a mix in those environments is because it's just, like, there's so many opportunities to have fun in, like, a welfare society because it's kind of like, well, you've got nowhere to be. You have nothing to do or like much, much less than somebody who's in the corporate world who like every minute is planned. It's true. So that's the whole thing. Like planning immediately robs you of fun. Immediately. It's just off the table instantly. Even if you plan to have fun, it probably does just kind of like tick. In your mind, it would be comforting the fact that you've done that. But again, it's just, it's not pl- like, it has to not it's be not planned. It's not genuine fun, yeah. It's not genuine fun. Well, I don't specifically plan to have fun, but I plan, all right, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend or I'm just hanging out with my friends and I have to detach from work. And I've gotten better at doing that. And then I am far more equipped to live in the moment and and um, right. bring about the conditions that are more likely to lead to moments of fun. Yes. Well, I think that's it. Like it's definitely like, you know, all those welfare communities that you go to, that, that's what's happening. And you see the kids playing around in the streets and everything like that. And, yeah, there's going to be like a, a much higher level of danger as a result of that. But this is the whole thing. Danger is sort of linked to fun. You know, dangerous moments that. that you have in your life where it got your heart pumping, they're, they're memorable and you – you know, if, if, if it didn't go, like, horribly wrong, you're always line. just like, yeah, damn. Well, yeah. If you're exploring there's a rush novelty, there. there's always a risk there. There's always a risk there. A, and that's why I come back to say I, I wonder how genetic and environmental it is. Because if, if it's just like an environment that where danger is just so ubiquitous, you eventually get used to it and you contend with that by just finding moments of novelty where you can or you come from a sort of safer environment where danger is extremely off-putting and as a result you just really yearn to return to safety. Fuck, now that you mention it, man, and you're saying this, dude, environment probably plays much more of a factor than I thought. What did – I know I said we were concluding this, but we'll go we'll go a bit longer. What was Mislav's upbringing like? You know much about that? Oh, Yeah. It was a. Uh, he lived at the back of a national park. Had that classic middle America town upbringing of just riding around on dirt bikes all day and throwing rocks at ant farms. And oh, makes yeah. perfect sense. Makes perfect it? sense. Whereas, yeah, look, and also this. In, speaking of the danger, one of my other podcasts' favorite segments is Ali's tales from Pakistan. And even though he was in the elite of Pakistan, the creme de la creme of society there, just because it's such a fucked place, right? Like he has so many stories that are just unbelievable. Just it's like, so what? novelty, <laughs> so novelty. All right, what was the most What was the most recent? Well, one that just immediately springs to mind is like, because <laughs> his friends were like so fucked. Because his friends are just rich as shit. Can you imagine doing this? Like they they fucking uh, used to play this game 
where they'd be driving around in like their Humvees or some shit like that and then just like push some poor person over that was like driving on their bicycle next to them and just be yeah, and they just drive away at one time. All right, I just, I mean it's. Dude, it's like the best, it's the best. Dude, like, dude you, you think oh. that there's like wealth inequality in Australia. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> It's but pretty. Like, it's pretty cruel, man. Like I don't think they meant. It's so cruel. <laughs> so cruel. It's just absurdly. Like it was just. It's cartoonishly rich. Yeah. Don't you think? It's just yeah. like it's a cartoonishly rich thing to do. Yeah. Now Ali. Jesus Christ. Ali, because he's just like read so much Marx and shit, always was like in the back being like, we've got to stop this. This is fucked. But like at the same time, he was like, yeah, like, dude, when it ha- it's fucking hilarious. Like, so, but anyway, one time that oh happened. And then the guy was a, uh, the, the guy that they pushed over was like the cousin of some block gangster. And so they were just sitting around drinking like whatever that Pakistani tea is. And then he just comes in and is just like, which of your little motherfuckers pushed over Shanjeev or whatever the fuck his name was. And then just like pulled out this fucking gangster golden gun and was just like, which one of you cunts did this, huh? And blow your fucking head off until you tell me which one it was. And then Ali was just sitting Whoa. there trying to like- How old talk. were they? Dude, they were like 15. And just like, this is one of their stories. This is what I'm saying. Like there's so much danger. in, but They're the richest of the rich. And life is still that dangerous in Pakistan. I mean, you could argue they brought it upon themselves by pushing people off the <laughs> bike. That that does seem like fun at the expense of uh, someone who's just going yeah, about their fucked. day. Look, in in Ali's defence, Ali was always just saying like I I was always like arguing against it and saying let's not do this. Um, because, again, he read, like, a lot of Marx as a kid, so he was always just, like, pushing down the poor person or some shit like that. But he grew around a bunch of rich cunts, like, in a country that, like, obviously, as soon as you're in a third world country, like, money talks. So they just do whatever the fuck they – like, once – think about this, right? How fucking amazing is this? One of his, one of his uh, friends who's a total idiot, like, can't even read. He's, like, the heir of one of the biggest – empires in Pakistan despite being the least deserving man ever like he's he's a dickhead he's like he's illiterate because he, he doesn't have to he, he's he's this kind of piece of shit right like he has instead of drinking water he he buys huge tubs of coke and puts them on those like water dispensers and just drinks coke his whole life right like he's just a permanent five-year-old and in school he was just like He'd just fall asleep or whatever because he just knew that, like, as soon as he graduated, he'd just own a bunch of scars. This is – give you an idea of how wealthy these people were. This family, in the height of a property boom, decided, oh, okay, we're going to build a, a, a fucking office tower in Dubai and rent it out, right? An office tower, like 60 stories, and they decided to build it. Then the property bubble collapsed. They couldn't fill it. It just lost money and they were like, oh, well, and got on with their life. Like, could you imagine how much money you would need to not care that you built an office tower in Dubai and it went belly up and it's just like right. a ghost building to this day? You know, like they, they, they don't care. Like they're just cartoonishly wealthy. And one time he was in school and one of the teachers just cracked the shits with him just like not paying attention at all to what was happening so he just said go to the principal and then the principal was telling him off 
And then he says like, just a second. And then just call someone, hands the phone to the to the principal and the principal's just like, okay, okay, go, go, go back to class. You know what he did? He rang up the president of Pakistan and said, this principal's giving me shit and then handed it to him. And then the president was just like, leave him alone. And he went back to class. Like this is this is the level Which of families? untouchability. What's the name of this family? He won't tell us. He won't tell us. It's like they're Yilmaz. He just calls him a deeb. Okay. So like that's the that's that's the kind of Jeez. person he was hanging around with. Okay. You know, like that level of wealth. So obviously they're going to think the funnest thing on earth is pushing people over on bicycles. You know, like that. There's right, just right. no repercussions in life. But it led to shit like that. You know, and so. Anyway, that was just one example. There's a million of these examples, just really heavy fucking shit that like Ali has been involved in in his life. Like many, many times a gun has been pulled on him, you know? Uh, But like every story that you hear of his, you're enthralled the whole way because it's just so, first off, it's just the novelty factor is definitely there. It's so removed from what you're used to. Like his, his, his stories are insane and I think it is just uh, like, sorry, to go back to your point at the end, it's like that was definitely a result of the environment and there was an element of, definitely an element of danger in it. Well, and it also sounds like there was no pressure for these exceedingly wealthy <laughs> children. <laughs> so... The conditions were ripe and there was just unlimited power. Yeah. So, if anything, yeah, the conditions were ripe to have fun. If you have no pressure by either being at the lowest rung of society or at the highest rung of society, sounds like you're going to have the most fun. Sounds like you're going to have the most fun if you – yeah, yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like none of them except Ali – and I've met his friends and I fully understand what they mean by this because – you meet Ali and then you meet all of his other friends in Pakistan and he is cut from a different cloth to the rest of them. Like, dude, when we were there, they just sat us down at this restaurant and they're all smoking cigarettes indoors because you're allowed to do that in Pakistan. But then other families were just saying, can you stop? And then they just said to the the waitress, no, we're not going to stop. And so all they did was just put one of those like, sheets in front of them and the family but the smoke would just go straight over the top of it it didn't give a fuck you know they just you know laws unto themselves human beings who have this phrase i've never heard anything more entitled in my life they say to the waiters there the hand shouldn't stop which just means i want continually naan and meats that are hot in front of me that I can be eating. And if I'm not eating, then you're, you haven't done your job. Ah, look, the level of like, cl- class distinction in the <laughs> subcontinent is, is will make insane. the average Australian uh, aghast. It's even if you are just a Brahmin in India, they, you go to restaurants and that's what they do. And my family <laughs> went there. Like, we don't, why are they they constantly coming to you? Do you want this? You want naan? You want curry? You want rice? Just let us fucking eat. What is <laughs> This is just some symbol of opulence and wealth that clearly people are attracted to, but they love annoying. it. You didn't have any peace and quiet, but um, I know. All right, to 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 now finally finish this one off. 
What's your takeaway about fun? What are you gonna what are you gonna do? What are you gonna implement into your There's two things. There's two things that I think actually is actually a really good takeaway from it. The first one being be aware of the offers. And I think that that's something very easy to implement. It's kind of like the same with relationships, which is the, the breakdown of any relationship is when someone says something it's very simple. It's like a bid, right? If you say hi, and then your response is like a bit of like, hi. Oh. That is a deterioration of the relationship. Bids are just any offer of attention or engagement. And if you cut them off, the relationship dies. And I think that that's the same thing that happens in life. If you're just cutting off bids all the time, you you start living a shell life. You live a half life and it is of true detriment, I think, to your brain and your development. And also, as you were just saying before, if you could take back time and just wrangle back, what, 25% of the time that you spent on Facebook, MSN, fucking Brazzers, like, and you, you invested that into something else that was just, like, it's like, you do have the time to do this stuff. You do have the time to take these offers and it would be a much better use of your time. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Now, after you finish this, get off your phone and go do something fun. Yeah. Take the offer. Take the offer. There's the offer right there. All right. See you next week.